Welcome to Gateway Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here today. We pray God speaks to you through this message and through His Word. For more information about our church, follow us on social media or visit our website, gatewayhome.com. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. Hopefully that got you as excited as it got me. I believe that this is going to be a powerful season in our life as a church. Uh, it's going to be a fun season, too. I believe that God is going to speak to us in incredible ways as we walk throughout this entire process. Uh, it's been incredible what God has done in already such a short period of time. And I believe that he's just getting started working in us, and he's just getting started working through us. And it's going to be an incredible season. And as we walk through these next five weeks, we'll be having a conversation what it means to be a part of what God is doing here. So if this is your first time here... I want to say welcome to Gateway Church. If it's your first time watching online, we want to welcome my Gateway family watching online. A lot of this is going to be, hey, this is where we're going as a church. This is where we believe God has called for us to go as a church. So you came on a great Sunday. And I just to let you know, I would say that every single Sunday. Because if you're here and gather the presence of God with the people of God, it's a great Sunday. But our hearts are really to share the vision of what God's doing with the future. And you get to hear and say, hey, this is the place that God has called for me to be. But for there's so many people here that have called Gateway Church their home church, and we want to be able to share our hearts uh, and our vision for what God has for us in the near future. So as we enter into this campaign, I know many of you may have never been in a capital campaign. I just want to say, relax. It's going to be okay. If you've been here at Gateway Church any period of time, you know that we never pressured anyone, and we never will pressure anyone to give. Uh, we don't pass even the offering plates. They're, they've always been in the back, and it's not because anything's wrong with that. It's just our heart to say giving is an act of worship, and we want it to be all about our hearts as we step out and obey God and worship him in our giving. And I have a title today. It's called It Feels Like Home. And if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Deuteronomy chapter 15. And one of the things I've loved about Gateway Church since we've begun in even Gateway Church Dallas-Fort Worth is that Y'all are generous people, generous with your time, generous with your talent, generous with your treasure. You saw in the video people giving their lives away to serve. We begin to experience the God kind of life, the purpose that he has for us whenever we give our lives away. And during this time, it's not a time of just fundraising. I believe that this will be a time of faith raising. It'll be a time where our faith rises up as we step out and believe God to do what may seem impossible, to do a work in our city that as we look 10, 20 years down the road, we'll look back to this moment at the stories that come out in our personal lives and in the lives of our church, and we will just be astounded. I was a part of Gateway Church Dallas-Fort Worth for many years, obviously, and then we were sent down here by the elders to plant this church. But one of the things I was always... One of the things I always admired, but one of the things I wish I got to be a part of were the beginning days, the days where the stories were told of them moving from a hotel, not knowing where they were going the next place, and going to a condemned dollar theater, and then being locked out a weekend they weren't able to get in, then moving to a daycare center, and you see where they are today. But there's so many God stories that happen there that I believe that the same God that was working then is actually going to continue to work today as he's writing our story out each and every single day as a church, but also personally and what he does 
in every single one of our lives. And that's why I say it's a faith-raising time as we are going to come together. It's also a time where we get to do something for the first time. As we come together and build a home that I believe this will be the first of many as we continue to reach people. And just so you know, that's why we always expand. This is why the church continues to advance and continues to move forward. Because there will always be people that need a touch from God. The people that need to know God, belong to family, discover their purpose, and build the kingdom. And we won't stop doing that and walking out God's purposes for our lives until he comes. So that's our heart as we walk this process out. One of the things, actually there's several things that this is actually going to require of us though. The first one is going to require faith. The against all odds type of faith. I did a series earlier this year about faith and what it means to step out and obey God. The next thing it's going to actually require though is courage. Courage to be able to take new ground. How many of you know we have an enemy that would love for us not to be able to move forward and would put as many obstacles in our way? But it's going to take courage to be able to press forward and press through. And the third thing it's going to take is it's going to require vision. It's going to require vision that's compelling, vision that's clear. Proverbs 29, 18 says this, where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. Cast off restraint there, that word means they run wild. Where there is no prophetic vision that comes from God, where there's no revelation, where God pulls back the veil, that's what this is all about. That's what that means. Prophetic vision is vision that God is giving. The people cast off restraint. And here's why vision matters. And I have four points at the beginning, and then I'll have four points at the end. So it's an eight-point message, but don't worry. I'll do it all in 35 minutes. So it's going to be great. Here's the first thing we need to understand why vision matters, and it's because vision creates unity. Vision creates unity. Remember, there has to be prophetic vision, otherwise people cast off restraint. Here's what we need to realize about vision, and this includes vision for the church, but it also includes vision for your life. It includes vision for your marriage. It includes vision for your business, your job, the purpose of why God has you here. Vision can't be dreamed up. It has to be dreamed down. Vision has to come from God. It can't come from frustration. And many times that's where it started out. But here's the problem. If I'm the author of something, then I also have to sustain it and supply the power for it to be finished. But if God is the author, he's always finished what he started. So it's important for us that we unify our hearts, not just with each other, but ultimately that we unify our hearts with God. Habakkuk 2.2 says this, Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets, that he may run who reads it. So God wants us to provide, God wants to provide vision, and it's not just about being big. I've, seen, I've heard big vision that isn't very practical. There's, there's a difference between being big and being clear. And here's what clarity does in vision. It actually removes the confusion. And that's what we want as we move forward over these next five weeks. I don't know if you remember the story in Genesis 11 of the Tower of Babel. If you haven't, it was a time where everyone spoke the same language, language and they were gathered together and they wanted to make, really uh, build something that would make their name famous so that they would have something to stake their claim to. And here's what God said in that moment. He said, we need to go down and confuse their language, and here's why. Because they're unified, 
There's nothing that, that can't be done. There's nothing that's impossible because they're unified together. So vision gives us the ability whenever we're unified with what God wants and our hearts are bonded together to walk out the purposes of God, nothing is impossible with God. It's important for us to realize that vision creates unity. The second thing is this. Vision provides a roadmap for progress. Vision provides a roadmap for progress. Think about it for a second. If you were to take a trip from Houston area to go to Florida, it's important that you know and that you're able to track your progress. If you don't have a map, if you don't have a GPS and you don't know to go east, you won't actually know if you're going in the right direction. But it's important for us to realize this, that God always gives us clarity in where we are going. He gives us clarity in his, our walk with him. He gives us markers of maturity. When we walk in love, joy, peace, when we walk in the fruit of the spirit, those are markers in our lives that tell us that we're progressing in our relationship with God. God did this for the children of Israel. He didn't just set them free from Egypt and was like, okay, now you're free. We're good, right? Awesome. He actually said, no, there's a promised land that I'm taking you to. There's a vision that I'm putting in front of you for you to walk out. Now, I'm not going to tell you every single step, but I am going to tell you that I will be with you. And that's the one promise that we can hold on to every single day of our lives. Jesus does this as well. He tells us what he's here for. He said, I came to seek and to save that which is lost. I came that you might have life and have life more abundantly. For those that are weary and heavy laden, I can give you rest. He's giving people a vision of what their life would be like if they would surrender their will and surrender their hearts to him. And here's why it's important for us to have this clarity. Because nothing in our life will become dynamic until it becomes specific. Nothing in our life will become, become dynamic until it becomes specific. This is why it has to be dreamed down and come from God so that we're able to walk it out. And God wants to speak to us during this time. Here's the third thing that vision does. Vision provides a filter for focus. Vision provides a filter for focus. How many of you know it's very easy to get distracted in today's world? There's many things that can distract us. It could be even a job that distract us away from family. The good can ultimately distract us from what God has that's best for us. So distractions are all over the place, and really the heart behind it is that it would remove us from the focus that God wants us to have. So we live in a very distracted world, and I hear so many people say all the time, oh, man, I just lack discipline. If I just had more discipline, then I'd be able to get up early. I'd, be, I'd have a heart to do this. I'd have a heart to do that. And I actually tell them, it's not a discipline problem. It's a vision problem. Because there's many people that get up every single day and do things that they hate because they have a clarity of vision on the other side and they know what it will produce on the other side. So it's important for us to realize to have a filter for our focus and remove the distractions that may keep us away from God's purpose. One of the greatest examples of this is in the life of Nehemiah. Nehemiah uh, was a man in the Old Testament who God put on his heart to rebuild the walls around Jerusalem. But if you read this story, there's obstacle after barrier, after insults, working with the government, all these different things that he had to do. But there were two people that were trying to distract him from the work that God had for him. 
And if you read this passage, it's so powerful, but it's something that we have to hold on to as well because it, uh, the filter will actually limit our options. And here's his response back to them whenever they were calling him to do a different work. He said, I'm doing a great work and I cannot come down. We have to have that level of boldness and that level of courage to walk out what God has called us to do. That what we're doing is a great work. We can't go to the side for distractions. We can't go to the side for pettiness. We can't succumb to offense because we're doing a great work and we cannot come down. So here's the next thing vision does. Vision gives us the power to overcome. Vision gives us the power to overcome. The enemy would love to discourage you in your walk with God. That's actually one of his greatest weapons to take out courage, to prevent you from walking out the vision that he has for you. But God has called us overcomers. We overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. God has overcome the world. He's overcome death, hell, and the grave. We are overcomers if we are in Christ. That is our identity and who, who he's called us to be. Hebrews 12.2 is speaking about Jesus. And I don't have this scripture up, but it's Hebrews 12.2. You can look it up. It said, for the joy that was set before him, Jesus endured the cross, despising the shame. There was a vision of what was ahead. There was a vision of resurrection. There was a vision that he would be in relationship with you and I, and that he was making the entire world right once again and reconciling the world to God. There was a greater vision than the pain and the problems and the obstacles that he was going through, which gave him the power to overcome. And it's going to be the same in our life as well. And as a church, as we've navigated over the past year and a half, there have been many obstacles, to say the least. It's probably one of the toughest times, I don't want to say history, but in the uh, immediate past where it's been to plan a church. But there have been miracles that God has shown up on the other side to help us overcome that. In January 26, 2020, we launched, it was 750 people, we launched at Travis High School in the Richmond area. Many of you were with us during that season. Uh, we had double overflows, an exciting time, and we began walking out the process of what it would look like to have a life-giving and life-transforming church here in the greater Houston area. And six weeks later, everyone's world changed, and everyone's world was flipped upside down. And so we went from that, six weeks later, to starting an online campus. And everything went online for a little bit. And we're grateful for other churches that came alongside us that allowed us to use their space to be able to do worship and, and really for everyone to come together online and we launched groups. And here's the important thing you need to realize, that the mission of the church never changed. The mission in our heart for the church never changed. We want to help people develop an intimate relationship with God. That's if you're here in the room, that's if you're watching online, wherever you are, we want to be a church that comes together in community to see life change happen in our city. And during that time we were online, God opened up the door for us to be able to go to the Stafford area for a period of, excuse me, for a period of time. And we met on Saturdays in Stafford at a church building. So one thing I look back and realize is this is probably the worst church planning strategy <laughs> in the history of the planet. Hey, start in one area, move 30 minutes away, because that's going to go great, and then move to a Saturday because people love that. <laughs> then... A couple months later, God's going to call you back to the Katy area, to a totally different space, and plant there and be there for a while. And that's where God is going to move, and that's where growth is going to happen. This isn't something I had planned, but it may be something that God has planned. And it rarely 
The plan of God for your life will rarely look the way that you thought it would look. But during this time, I did what any logical church planner would do. Uh, five months in, I started looking for a permanent space. I was like, hey, this, who knows what's going to come out of this. There was so much going on, but I began knocking on doors because I didn't know when. Uh, there was so much uncertainty in the world, I didn't know when the doors would be open for us to be able to meet in person again before the Stafford building came available. And even when that became available, we knew that wasn't a long-term solution. So we were just praying, and I would knock on doors, and doors would almost seem to open, and then they'd close at the last minute. And I was like, okay, God, what do you, what do you have for us? But if I was honest here, there was one door that I felt was a little bit too big for me to knock on. A door that I was like, this is insurmountable. This is, there's no way that this could be what God has for this church at this time and for us to step into. This can't be the vision because it's too big. But I have a very God-fearing and faith-filled mother-in-law <laughs> who's gently said, hey, maybe you should check out that Toys R Us building. I know you mentioned it. Don't want to be pushing. She has a way of like, suggesting something to do. It's like, you know what, that's a, the that's a right idea. I don't know why, but, and then I just take it as my own. She has a way of doing that and suggesting it. So I began praying. I was like, okay, God, if this is something that you have for us, then I need a word from you. Because remember, we don't just move forward on a good idea. We move forward on a God idea. Because if God authors it, we know that he'll finish it. So God led me to Genesis chapter 26, and it's a story about Isaac. Isaac was digging wells because he needed water. He needed a place to settle. And in the middle of a desert, a well in water is not a luxury. It's a necessity. It's a place where people can come and be filled and have their thirst quenched. So it's important that this happened. In Genesis 26, verse 22, here's what it says. Abandoning that one, Isaac moved on and dug another well because he had dug some other wells and they were covered over and he was having battles about it, but it wasn't happening. This time, though, there was no dispute over it. So Isaac named the place Rehoboth, which means open space. For he said, at last the Lord has created enough space for us to prosper in this land. And that was the word I needed, and I began walking out the process, began contacting them. But first, I went to the elders that helped me lead Gateway Church here in the greater Houston area. And I met with them. They said, we believe that this is what God is calling for us to do. And during this time of uncertainty, we believe that the church needs to be full of faith and advance the kingdom during this time. And I was excited. I was like, let's go. I love it. They were on board. When moving forward, we had had the word from God. And so as we walked out this process, within one year, Almost one year to the date, we got the go-ahead, and by our first anniversary, when we were here in this building, we got to announce that we actually were able to purchase the Toys R Us building, and we had a permanent space for Gateway Church in the Katy area. It really is an incredible story, and there's so much more that's, that's in that that seems to be a coincidence, but here's the one thing I've learned from God, that a coincidence is simply my failure to acknowledge God's providence. It's simply when I fail to see that God's weaving it all together in a way that I may have never expected. So we bought the former Toys R Us building uh, for $3.9 million. Gateway Church was gracious enough to give us an interest-free loan. How many of you know if you're going to get a loan, interest-free is the best one to get? So they gave us an interest-free loan, but we knew that with the renovation costs, 
Uh, and during this season, because of supply chains and different issues like that, costs have gone up a little bit. But the total all-in costs are going to be $13.1 million. So it's a, it's a big number for even a church our size or any church. But it's a, it's, a, it's a number that ultimately God can do. But once again, it's not about fundraising. It's really about faith raising. But the elders at Gateway Dallas-Fort Worth also decided as they prayed and came together that they were going to give us a $4 million gift to help us with the renovations of the church. So we're very grateful for Gateway Church, Dallas-Fort Worth, Pastor Robert, all the elders. We're so grateful. But here's their heart behind it. As we raised the other four and a half million, they wanted it to be a matching gift because we have a part to play. That's the best part about it. We all have a part to play and participate in what God is going to do. And we want to continue to expand and we want to continue to reach more and more people because a church doesn't exist just for the people that are here. It exists for the people who aren't here yet. And while the church isn't a building, it helps to have at least one space to be able to meet, a space that you're able to call home. So we also need to continue to grow and reach and champion the next generation. In KDISD alone, for perspective, I know there's people that come from all over that meet here and obviously many watching online, but in KDISD alone, within a 10 to 15 mile radius of this new space, there's actually 85,000 students. Think about that. 85,000 students. They say over the next 10 years, as they were doing a demographic study, by 2031, in KDISD alone, not Houston, not SciFair, all the other places, that there would be 110,000 students that are within a 10 to 15 mile radius of this building. Here's what we need to have a heart for. One of the questions I get asked all the time, hey, what are you doing for students? Many of you probably asked that question. Just so you know, we have a big heart for students. We want to have a place for students. They're already serving here on the weekend service. They're serving in kids. But we want to create a space for them to come and learn and for them to grow to be able to face the things that they're facing and ultimately be overcomers in that area. So that's our heart as we navigate during this time. And as we prayed... We realize the world has a vision for our kids, and we realize Satan has a vision for our kids, and we have a vision for our kids too, and ultimately it's God's. And whoever wants them the most will be the ones that get them. And I'm just saying as a church that we want them the most, and we believe that God's going to move in this city to reach and champion this next generation so that they take ownership within the church of God. And that's our heart. Whenever you came in, you may have been able to grab one of these, not for obviously those watching online. And this is an executive summary of what's going to happen over the next five weeks. And we'll be rolling out more and more materials to give clarity. But in it, you'll be able to see, hey, here's our goal, building home next steps. You'll be able to see this, uh, the space and share our vision. And on the back is a place where you can begin praying about what it will look like for us to be able to give. But I want to say this, don't read it while I'm talking to you right now, please. <laughs> I know some of you, I can see it already. You're already here. Continue looking up. Uh, actually, you saw part of the video earlier of our building, but I, we have a couple of pictures that I'd like to show you what the space will look like. On the outside, you kind of see the lobby space. We'll have a cafe. Our heart is that organic community would happen, and there would be a space where we can just be. Uh, we have the auditorium space as well that's there. We'll, the auditorium will seat about 900, and that's the biggest we can make it from the ratio from the parking lot to the auditorium, so we made it as big as we could. And then there's the outside of the building with, like, some really nice cars, so I don't know how that's going to play out. But this is what, how they drew it up. But 
Here's the exciting part that I wanted to share. Work has actually been started on the facility already. They've been doing some demolition. We've had approval from the city of Katy, and I have some demolition pictures as well to kind of bring up. This is a, they're going to create just really a wide open space, so they're tearing it down. The water's on the floor because they hit a sprinkler, but we were taking that out anyway, so it's all good. But it'll be an empty space for us to begin, and prayerfully, with approval from the city, we'll begin the actual building side of it and the renovation side, but we're gutting everything. So just so you know, this project has actually begun and it's moving forward and it's an exciting time when it's kind of all coming together. So we're excited for the future and everything that God is going to do in this space. Uh, some other features of it, it'll have two adult equipping rooms. It'll have a place for us to do growth track, a place for marriage and family, stewardship, different teachings that we may do, uh, different ministries that we want to host. It'll have that, and they'll seat about 100 or so people. Um, it'll have a children's wing that's designed and created especially for them. Uh, we want to, once again, to have a place for the next generation to really come and learn about God. There'll be a studio there. We'll be able to record content. And here's why I believe this is important. I think it seems small. But this next generation, if you walked around them, I don't have my phone on me, but they're their face and their eyes, their attention is going to a screen in some way, shape, or form. So we want to be where they are. So we want to create a way where we can leverage technology to be able to spread the gospel as much as we possibly can. So that will be happening as well. And then we also have an office space. Right now we're in the Sugarland area, but we'll actually be coming to the Katy area for our offices, which will be big because it tells the city that we are here and we're planning here in the area. And this is the first of many campuses to come, and I'm excited because God is moving in a powerful way. So the timeline, since we've started demolition, should everything go the way that it needs to go? Uh, construction, if you've ever been a part of it, can have its moments where it doesn't go exactly how everything is planned out. But we're looking at the timeline being to where we'd be able to have services in the building to be late summer, early fall of 2022. So well, a little bit less than a year from today, we'll be able to be in this space. And over the next five weeks, I'll be unpacking. Obviously, I started today, but I'll be unpacking more what it looks like for us to come together uh, to pray, participate, but ultimately commit. Commitment Sunday will be on October 10th, so here's what I'm saying. Uh, don't commit today. Today's not the time to commit. Today is really just the time to hear vision. Hey, here's where we're going. But over the next five weeks, begin praying. Begin praying and seeking the Lord, what he would have us do. On October 3rd, Pastor Robert will actually be here with us, and he'll be sharing, so that'll be an exciting time. Um, and on that weekend, we'll actually be moving to two services. So that's another big announcement. <laughs> moving to two services, a 9 a.m., a 9 a.m. and a 10.45 a.m., so we'll get, have two options. But really, it's an exciting time. Uh, if, if you're here in the building, you can see the church has grown over the last several months. The reason why you need multiple services is because the church is continuing to grow. And what you may not see in here is that the kids' hall is actually packed. And we actually want to create capacity because we want that to be a place where they love going, where the teachers are able to lead them and help them grow in their relationship with God so it will actually create more room there. But also for the build team, they'll be able to serve one, and then they'll also be able to attend a service as well. So it's an exciting time. And we'll be going to two services for the first time that week. But the plan as it is as of right now that we'll continue having two services moving forward at the 9 and 1045 a.m. time slot. So you have two opportunities to come, two opportunities to bring your friend and get involved in serving and what God is doing here 
at the church and create more capacity to grow and expand to reach more people. So hopefully that is exciting for everyone as we move forward. But here's also what I want to say. The miracle is never about the finances or the every, any, anything that comes in. It's all, always about what God does in our hearts. This isn't a time where it's like, hey, if I write this number in, am I stuck to it? Is this a vow or a pledge where I'll be sinning if I break it? Listen, once again, I said at the very beginning, relax. We're going to pray. We're going to hear God. We're going to believe what he says, and we're going to obey. And it's a good faith estimate that you give and say, hey, this is what we believe that God is calling us to commit to during this time. And as you pray, if you're married and you're praying with your spouse, I just want to let you know the spouse that has the higher number is the one who's hearing God a little bit more clearly. I'm kidding, obviously. But here's, the, here's really the joy behind it. I've actually been a part of it, and here's why I actually love this time. It's because we all get to go to the next level in our relationship with God. It's already happened. I'm hearing the stories of people that are praying, they're seeking God, and God's moving in their lives. And I believe that's going to happen for every single person who says, yes, God, I want to do what you're calling us to do during this time. So we named this, this campaign the Building Home Campaign, and here's why. We wanted to create a church that felt like home. One of the interesting things that I hear from people is they come into a cafetorium and their kids are in the hallways and the spaces as we're in a portable location is they still come in and they say, this place feels like home. Amen. This place feels like home. And here's the way that we've described home because from the very beginning, whenever we would whiteboard what it would look like to have a church, we said we wanted to feel like home. And here's the five words that we used to describe it. We wanted people to feel seen. We wanted people to feel known. We wanted the people to feel loved, inspired, and needed, that they knew there was a place for them to get involved. Those are what we wanted people to feel whenever they came in. But you feel that whenever you're surrounded by the presence of God and you're surrounded by the people of God. That's when it begins to feel like home. And this, as we walk this out, is critical to the, fulfilling the mission that God's given us as a church. So once again, I'm not asking you to give a financial amount today. Here's what I'm asking you to commit to. Commit to making a commitment. Commit to praying over the next five weeks. God, what are you asking me to commit? Because there are some obstacles that will prevent us from fulfilling the God vision that he's given us. Yeah. It ultimately has to do with our hearts. So here's my second point of four points that I'm going to go through very fast. The first one is this. We have to deal with the selfish heart. And if you turn to Deuteronomy 15, we're going to dive in there. Verse 7, it says, If there is among you a poor man of your brethren within any of the gates in your land which the Lord your God is giving you, remember God gave it, you shall not harden your heart nor shut your hand from your poor brother, but you shall open your hand wide to him and willingly lend sufficient for his need. He's talking about selfishness here. Whatever he needs. Beware lest there be a wicked thought in your heart. By the way, that's where we think as well, not just our brains, but also our heart. The seventh year, the year of release is at hand, and your eye be evil against your poor brother, and you give him nothing, and he cry out to the Lord against you, and it becomes sin among you. So he's saying the selfishness is a sin, but it has to deal with your heart. So every seven years in this passage, I'm going to explain it a little bit. Every seven years, there would be a release from debts. How many of you will probably like to bring that economic system here to where you release debts? I know we have some cheering in here. But every single year, every seven years, there would be a releasing of the debts. So here's what God is saying. 
Don't get it six and a half years and you have a, a neighbor that may have lost their job and they come and ask you for money and you're thinking to yourself, there's only six more months before this debt is released and he may not be fully repaid. He may not fully repay me. He's saying, don't even think that thought. And here's what we need to realize. Because whenever we are grasping and our hand is closed, it actually reveals the hardness of our hearts. The hardness of our hearts is directly related to the closing of our hand. But on the other side, the softening of our hearts will also be related to us opening our hand and giving. Because here's the thing we need to realize, that we are born selfish. And if you had kids, you know that we are initially born selfish. You have to teach them to share. But we are born again generous, and here's why. Because we are partakers of the nature of God. Some of us just haven't fully stepped into that level of generosity. So that's the first thing we need to deal with. Deal with a selfish heart. Here's the second thing. We need to deal with a grieving heart. Deal with a grieving heart. Verse 10, just continuing on, it said, You shall surely give to him, and your heart should not be grieved when you give to him. Because for this thing, the Lord God, your God, will bless you in all your works and in all to which you put your hand. So here's what this is saying. Selfishness attacks us before we give. Grief attacks us after we give. Selfishness before, grief after. I don't know if you've ever in your life obeyed God and given, and then something in your life breaks. Your car breaks down, washing machine breaks down, you have an extra expense, medical bills, and you think to yourself, Oh, man, I shouldn't have given that because then I'd have that money to pay for this. So grief can begin to set into our hearts. Wait a second. I, I actually just had this quick thought. I know. Have you ever been talking and you just had this thought come to your head? And I just had this thought. I don't have my wallet with me, but I'm wanting to eat lunch afterwards. And so uh, I really, i just just trying to what? Oh. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Hey, thank you, Pastor Matt. Hey, look at this right here. A hundred dollar bill, thank you for this. I appreciate that. Okay. Why did Matt come and give that to me? If you're wondering what's going on here. Here's the reason why Pastor Matt came and gave that to me. It's because I gave it to him before the service. So he doesn't have any grief over stepping up and giving what's mine back to me. Right, Pastor, no, no grief. Hey, no grief. No grief here. That's good. That's good. But here's the problem we, when we begin to grieve whenever we're walking in obedience to God over what we've given. We've forgotten that God is the owner. We're simply the stewards. And we would not grieve if we're simply returning back and simply obeying what God has for us to do and returning what's his. So we need to deal with a grieving heart, but there's two things we need to develop as well. We need to develop a generous heart. Develop a generous heart. And this is 13 through 14. It says that when you send him away free from you, you shall not let him go away empty-handed. You shall supply him liberally or generously from your flock, from your threshing floor, and from your winepress. From what the Lord has blessed you with, you shall give to him. How many of you know God blesses us to be a blessing? He gives us resources and for some of us, he's given us a lot of resources so that we can be a part of building the kingdom and what God wants to do. He's blessed us to be a blessing. But so many times, especially in the church, you can hear the teaching 
that it's better to receive than to give. But that's the exact opposite of what Jesus says. He says we don't give to get, we get to give. And that's what I teach, that's what Gateway Church teaches, because our heart is that we believe what Jesus says and we want to develop a generous heart. And here's the fourth thing, we want to develop a grateful heart. Develop a grateful heart. And here's why. Whenever you develop a grateful heart, it's easy to commit everything to God. When you realize what he's done, and this is verse 15, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you. Therefore, I command you this today. So everything we just read, he's saying, I command you. But look at the progress here. Well, we weren't slaves in Egypt. We were slaves to sin. And God came and redeemed us. This word redeem means to buy back with the point of bringing it back to its original intent. That's what this, he, so he, he brought us out of sin, redeemed us, and he's putting us back together. We're seeing freedom. We're seeing healing. But then he's saying on the other side, I've called you to give as well. Don't be stingy. Don't hold your hand closed. Soften your heart and open up your hand. And this happened in my own life. There would be many times the way I grew up, I actually grew up very poor. So in my head, I would get ahead by saving and storing away as much as I could. And by the way, storing isn't bad. It just depends on where you're storing it. That's a conversation for another message. But I began to just pray. I had really was, I was a stingy person, I'll admit. I was a greedy person. I would not have said that at the time. But my hand was very closed. I was like, I got to save up as much as I can because of fear on the other side of, hey, I need to be my own provider. If I don't provide for myself, I'll end up back in the same situation that I was before. But I remember the first time I came to Gateway Church and then I read The Blessed Life. I read The Blessed Life and it was, it was one of those revolutionary books where I had to literally read it again. I don't do that with every book, so I don't think I'm just a great person who loves to read. But that book really captured my heart. And through that time, God said, I want you to be generous. And he was giving me a new vision for my life. And at that time, he would tell me numbers. And he's like, you're going to give this away. And they were big numbers. But it changed the whole entire trajectory of my life when I realized that God is calling us to be generous. And the easy way for us to be generous is for us to understand all that God has given us. He's given us everything. And once I realized that, it changed my life. And I became generous so whenever God tells me to obey now, it actually brings me great joy to step out and to give my life away. It's not just finances. Once again, giving is so much bigger than finances. God is calling us to give our lives away. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes with me. At the end of every service, there's a time for us to respond. And in a moment here, we're going to open up the altars and some of you may be, you want God to give you vision for your life. Some of you need to take that first step and say yes to God. I want to know you. I want to be in relationship with you. In a moment here, there will be people down that, here that want to pray with you, and we should never be embarrassed to come down for prayer. I've received prayer. We all need prayer sometime or another. But we want people to come down and receive prayer. But for the rest of us, we need to ask, God, where, where am I in this? Do I need to develop a generous heart? Do I need to develop a grateful heart? Do I need to begin tithing? Do I need to begin giving over and above? God, where, where am I in this? 
because he wants to speak to every single one of us, even those that are watching online. He wants to move in our hearts, and I'm so excited that during this time that our faith will rise to walk after him. So, Father, right now, I just thank you for every single person who has a heart to follow after you. I pray that we would deal with any selfishness, that we would deal with any grief. I pray that we would come to understand that it's all yours. And as we take the time to pray for what you would have us do during this season, Lord, I pray that you would show up in our lives. It's not just an open space for the church, but it's an open space for my family. With the prayers that we prayed for so long, Lord, we know that you can do a miracle, you can step in, and you can move. So we say today that we're going to step out in courage and faith in trusting you. And we thank you for that right now. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. joining us today. If you live in the Houston area or are in town for a visit, we would like to invite you to join us for a service. For service times and location or more information about Gateway Church, follow us on social media or visit our website gatewayhome.com. Have a blessed week.